Welcome to Ideas with Purpose, a podcast about companies and their leaders who are approaching their industries and the world differently. I'm Robert Dowling, founder and CEO of Hudson Cutler. Today's podcast is part two in our series about race, racism, diversity, and the future of the public relations industry. I'm talking to my colleague, friend, and my favorite food critic, Lavanya DJ, managing director at Hudson Cutler. She's an accomplished communications professional, true New Yorker, and global citizen. She is also an Indian woman living and working in America. Lav and I spoke via WebEx from Hudson Cutler's headquarters in Soho, New York City. She shared her experience, perspective, and outlook on what's happening in our industry and what we need to do to make it better. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi, Lav. Thanks for uh, for joining this uh, action-packed podcast. Thank you for asking me to talk to you. I'm going to state up front that uh, I'm a reluctant participant. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's always the reluctant guest that turns out to be the best one. I like your radio voice. I'm trying to find <laughs> mine. Uh, I mean, is it going to be Elizabeth Holmes, Ivanka Trump? convincing liar voice or is it going to be vocal fry or is it going to be this new york indian mix that i have going on i i I like the the new york (laughs) indian mix um and uh it's 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 who you are and you know how we all experience you i want to know how you experience us and me and and i my first question is does it ever annoy you that um we call you lav and lav dj because we are incapable of pronouncing your name you know what it's like what gets me is when people call me lav or you know because i did it's like love kind of organically came uh it it kind of came about with my colleagues, my former colleagues who are now working with us at Hudson Cutler. Uh, and so I was like, okay, that works. Uh, but I feel like laugh kind of bothers me a little bit. And then different variations of that. Like I, I did shorten my name. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> like we can't even get laugh right. It's like, yeah. Um, you know, uh, you can't win for losing on that one. Um, and I, I, you know, uh, Lavanya. No. no. Lavanya. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Lavanya. Yeah. Lavanya. That's what I said the first time. No. <laughs> I practiced in, this in front of the mirror 500 times. Lavanya. You know what? It's really okay because I do mispronounce names all the time. And so I'm okay with it. It is it is a difficult name. Um, so love It really doesn't seem perfectly. like that difficult a name. And I hereby give you permission to call me Robert. <laughs> yeah, I think my person for you is Dobert Rowling. So. <laughs> yeah, that, that's more painful than uh, Robert. Uh, but when I want your second person to kind of approve something that maybe Robert might not, Dobert Rowling will do it. Yes. Yes. Um, you can, you can wheel him out whenever, whenever you need him. Um, (laughs) but that actually does bring up a, uh, an interesting point and, and something that we've talked a lot about. And that is, um, uh, 
not just for um, women in this industry, but certainly people of of, of color not necessarily um, being heard in even even when you're as successful and as accomplished and um, have built the confidence of clients in the way that you have, um, you still find yourself in rooms where uh, either you have to repeat yourself five times or invoke uh, Dobbert Rowling to, um, you know, validate what you say. Yeah, I think, you know, this is kind of not new, right? And something in my previous organization, we were an all-women's team, and we had kind of created this sort of this ecosystem where we would repeat each other's ideas so that it would kind of be heard. And I later learned that the Obama White House, apparently women working within that um, team did the same thing. So it was it's not something new. And I think women kind of find ways to um, amplify each other, kind of share that share each other's ideas and kind of bring them up front. I have, you know, uh, used the shorthand of um, saying Robert has approved something or I've discussed it with you as a way to kind of um, get my ideas across. And I don't, I, I think there would be debate about it. It's saying, you know, is that really necessary? Should we do it? Um I think it's okay sometimes because the energy it would take to kind of change the system, which is changing so like a glacial pace is fine, at least for now. Um, And eventually we'll get to that place where we will um, be able to speak our ideas. And I heard like Stacey Abrams talk about this the other day saying, you know, find your white allies who will Mm -hmm. speak for you and, you know, chart the course for you. Yeah, I, I saw that as well, and and I um, I agree and disagree, um, and I could be. I'm, there's an aspect of it that I'm troubled by, and that is I do find um, that while you make me sound very smart in meetings by repeating your ideas and your recommendations, um, there's something uh, complicit about you know managing the system in that way as opposed to. Um, kind of throwing down the gauntlet and saying, wait a minute, let's pay attention to what Lav just said because that's what we need to do. Now, even the act of saying that seems somehow um, superfluous, uh, redundant, unnecessary, and, and, and falls into this dichotomy. So I worry that managing the system adds to the glacial pace of change. No, for sure. I think there are some you know, battles that you need to fight and then some that, you know, sometimes you might not have the energy to fight. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what is that going to take away from, you know, kind of reaching your goal? We are in the services business. You know, you're not going to fix everything um, in this system in just like one phone call or over one conversation. Um, And I've found that, you know, sometimes these aids, so to speak, will kind of get you there faster. Um, and I have found that eventually when you do win the confidence of your client, you, you're you able to kind of put forth some more bolder ideas. And the other thing that I will say in this is I often don't think of these ideas come out of, you know, in isolation, right? They come because of our teams, 
-hmm. They come about because of my conversations with you or with my other colleagues. So it's not necessary that it's one person's idea. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, so that's where I kind of, I think there's ways to rationalize everything. Um, But that's how I kind of try to see these things as in any case, this is, would not be like a solo effort or a solo idea. It's true. There, there, there is a lot of collaboration. Um, but I also think there is, um, particularly with clients where you're leading really important purpose-driven campaigns that are, um, uh, it's, it's, critically important that we get each one of the steps right for whether it's, uh, you know, we need a button for dating positives or more recently, all your counsel for votes. Um, this is really important stuff. And you are, you have the ear of the CEO and the, and, and the CEO is relying on you for that counsel more than anyone else. And you, I mean, you have, um, patience and you also have a, a great sense of humor in terms of uh, dealing with those challenging moments. Um, to take a step back um, and look at your broader experience within the communications industry in the States. I mean, you came here uh, and jumped in with both feet and started working in this industry. Um, did you have certain expectations um, that you would be uh, treated in a certain way or that, uh, you know, did, did New York or the U.S. represent a business culture or even a social culture that is more um, tolerant or more open or did you not have expectations? Um, I kind of, I think this was a series of accidents that brought me here. Um, so I did come when, when I came to New York in 2014, um, I started off doing a small internship, even though I had worked for three years in India. Um, and I did that only because, you know, here I am in the media capital of the world and I had some time. So I said, you know, why not learn the ways of, um, the PR industry where it's like, you know, at its complete maturity, right? Because in India, it was just, mm-hmm. you know, super nice. And even for someone who had just started started off in that space, I, I could really tell that we had so, um, you know, we had a ways to go before we kind of reached that maturity. And I will say that this is something that I've started to notice only more recently or pay attention to it is there are not a lot of people who are not, you know, U.S. educated in our space. So even if they are, say, especially from, you know, the developing world, right? So pretty much everyone comes here, they get a U.S. degree, and then, you know, start in the industry. So I'm kind of unique in that way. And I I, I think about what how that's different, and uh, you know, I I feel like I had the opportunity to use that that different perspective only because you know I started off with a startup, so there wasn't a dominant culture. I was the one of the first employees, yeah. So you know, my perspective was taken just as seriously as anyone else's. And you know, yesterday yeah. I was looking at Hold the Press. Um, the new Instagram page. Oh, and yeah. I saw that there are like, you know, big, large companies like Weber Shanwick, where there is a very significant, you know, almost 80% dominant culture. So what happens mm-hmm. is, you know, when you come from 
you know, perspectives that are not part of the dominant culture. There is this whole process of unlearning your perspective or yeah. your, you know, lessons and kind of trying to fit into this new place because you're, you know, obviously yeah. what you're thinking is completely different. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 you know, um, I did take note of, I think um, Edelman had set some uh, goals for uh, women in leadership positions that they that they achieved, um, and I applaud them for that. And yet, at the same time, the point you just made is, uh, I'd love your perspective on this. My my perspective of women in leadership in our industry. Uh, First off, first off, there should be far more. Uh, many of the leaders that are women in this industry are truly fantastic uh, practitioners. They're amazing people. They're great business people. Um, however, they often have gone to the same schools. They've uh, grown up in the same communities. They've certainly come up in the in the industry with their male peers, and while there's gender equality, there's no diversity, and there's no difference in perspective. So you end up with leadership teams that, well, yes, we have women, and that counts as diversity, but is it diversity? I mean, what's your what's your take on that? Yeah, I think, you know, what shaped my opinion on this was an interview that I listened to with the uh, founders of Capor Capital. And, mm. you know, the way that they've kind of changed the way that they make investments in companies, which is, in, you know, we can uh, use that example across the board for even hiring, is that they started to look at just blind applications and they wouldn't kind of look at people who came from the same zip codes or the same kind of economic um, mm -hmm. background. So what you're saying is so true. I find this to be the biggest challenge right now in all of our conversations around diversity. People seem to think that just hiring people from different backgrounds is going to somehow fix the problem. Our world is coded in a, a certain way, and we are just saying, we're going to put you in this place, and we're going to expect you to perform at the same level as everyone else. Mm -hmm. And... I think that is impossible. That's an impossible expectation. And it's even the right expectation to have, right? It seems to me that um, the one, one of the greatest benefits of uh, having such such diversity at Hudson Cutler is the the, the perspectives, the the um, contributions, and and you know certainly. Um, the, the the way of working gets changed dramatically based on people's backgrounds. We have so many international people, uh, people from really different backgrounds, and that's that's really I think great for clients. I mean, do you do you share that perspective, or do you do you think um, uh, I'm missing something there? No, that's exactly the point that I'm trying to make. Right, I completely agree with you. Our clients kind of benefit from all of these different perspectives. So, you know, trying to 
A, say, like the initial thing of saying, you know, everyone should perform at the same level despite not having the resources or the tools to do it. That's mm-hmm. that's a flawed way of kind of looking at it, one thing. And the second thing is everyone should, I mean, will somehow flatten the culture where you bring in people with different perspectives and different backgrounds and they all somehow are like speaking the same language eventually, your goal is to make them all speak the same language or, you know, say, kind of have, share the same kind of lens. And that's a disservice to the clients. That's a disservice to this effort to bring in different perspectives. Yeah. And the the mechanism is built to perpetuate it. I can't tell you how many times a account director in oncology in the healthcare division quit to go in-house or to another agency and immediately HR gets on the on the case and they start looking at similarly positioned agencies for account directors with oncology experience, particularly the brands that, you know, we're working with for healthcare. Um, you know, it is just, we need one type of person and we're going to um, uh, keep focusing on exactly the same thing, um, which seems myopic and, a, and an opportunity cost. And certainly in this industry, um, the diversity numbers that have, that have come out are not uh, great at all. And I think it's one of the, one of the reasons for it. Um, l- let's talk for a minute about um, your experience. I mean, you are a woman, a person of color, and you are also um, a, uh, a, I mean, should I say immigrant? Are you a, a you know your green card holder? You're 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 new to this country. I mean, it's sort of you're the triple threat on that. Uh, and I'm curious as to uh, one, uh, how much of that has been uh, has has been a challenge, and which element of that is the biggest challenge, particularly in this crazy environment we are um, currently. And when I say crazy environment, I mean political environment that we're living in. Huh. I- I think, you know, having all of this stuff and then, like I said before, not being U.S. educated, I think that's a huge, um, that's something surprises people uh, a lot. Um, And, you know, people often ask me like, oh, you went to school in the U.K.? And I'm like, no. Uh, So, you know, it's just Mm -hmm. they're taken aback a little bit because they don't know what to expect. Uh, And I use that moment of surprise sometimes to my advantage to kind of make my point. Um, it, it also, there are several, like my name is a great icebreaker. Um, so mm-hmm. that kind of um, starts us off in a different conversation and an opportunity to build relationships. And once people get to know you, I think it, things become far easier. Um, I would say, you know, the challenges that we face, again, going back to what I said, where we are expecting everyone to kind of perform in the same way. I think the expectations when you see somebody, because all of us have biases, and when Mm. someone walks into the room and introduces themselves, you kind of place them, you know, you, you kind of make a judgment of what they're able to bring to the table. Yeah, yeah. And oftentimes it's not the same expectation you have from, say, you, for example, or any of yeah. our other colleagues. And I think yeah. that effort that you have to do to kind of 
walk those that extra you know mile before you can get to the same level as everyone else i think that's that becomes a little bit challenging yeah now you are um so plugged in to fashion food art culture in new york in the us and and globally which gives you a kind of um lexicon a set of reference points that um, really resonate with a, a lot of people. And I've seen how in advance of meetings, in the small talk between, you know, moments in meetings um, before a Zoom call is starting, et cetera, um, that really uh, helps you connect with people. Um, it, it may just be a natural offshoot of that. Is, is that. Do you find that to be true? or And do you ever do that intentionally to 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 try to connect with people so they realize, oh, yeah, you're just a regular person? <laughs> uh, no, I think, you know, if you're not curious, you have no business being in PR is mm -hmm. generally the the sense that I have. I don't know what – I'd love to hear what you think about that because, you know, so much of what well we – Well played. Well played. I'm curious <laughs> as to what you think. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I do, do think, do? Um, I think I, I completely agree with you. We need to stay um, socially, culturally, politically, um, uh, you know, business, uh, you know, every aspect of what's happening in the world. We need to stay uh, not just up to date on, we have to be uh, kind of ahead of the curve. We got to understand what's, what the trends are, what, what's relevant, what people are talking about, uh, because that's part of the business. Um, but it also makes it fun. Um, one, one, one of the other things that I notice that you do, um, just naturally is mentor, um, you, you mentor many people within Hudson Cutler. I know you have relationships, uh, outside of Hudson Cutler. Um, you have a, um, a group of primarily young women who, um, see you as, as not just a mentor, but an inspiration, um, how, what role does that play, do you think, in, uh, one, speeding the glacial pace of change, but also in, um, in, in, in what you teach them and what your experience has been? Yeah, I, I think, you know, very early in this, in my PR life, one of the things I kind of understood is you're, you're going to be successful if you kind of have this, you have the support system of your colleagues, right? Yeah. You often hear horror stories of PR people, like, you know, especially account executives, like staying overnight or working late hours mm -hmm. or, you know, not having the time to balance, like have that work-life balance. And the only way for you to kind of have that is if your colleagues are going to step in for you whenever you need them to or help you. And you're not going to do that without having those deep relationships. And I think a part of that mentorship is it's a part of that, not just saying, okay, they're going to help me when I need them, but it's a part of like just building where it's a two-way street where we can kind of mm -hmm. like support, you know, younger executives who are coming up and they kind of teach us something as well because they're yeah. more plugged into the culture. They know exactly what's happening. Um, so, you know, there it's, I don't see it as a one-way mentorship thing. I just like mm -hmm. learn so much from 
like, you know, every person who walks in through the doors of Hudson Cutler, people that have kind of touched my life and previous roles. And, yep. you know, I have so much to learn about the U.S., even though I've been here 16 years. So it's like... You got you to bring up your TikTok game, no <laughs> yeah, doubt. TikTok for sure. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, had I not met all of these young women, I wouldn't know what Twinkies was or like a cheese stick. Uh, I have I'm eaten a sure, cheese stick. I'm not sure that that's something to, you know, um, uh, you know, thank them for. But uh, hey, um, have you been deep frying Twinkies? Now, do not answer that question. Do not answer that. <laughs> uh, I want to talk, and I know we're we're going to run out of uh, time soon, but I want to talk briefly about Modi, about um, the craziness that's happening in uh, India and the U.S. on a political level. Um, I know we're not in the business of politics, but um, the um, the intensity of what's happening socially, culturally, um, within the media, um, is intense in both nations. There are a lot of similarities. Um, you, that, that's, you know, from me reading the, the, the papers, you are on the front lines in both cases. I mean, you'll, you'll, you've, I've seen you marching with the, um, you know, BLM, uh, protests and also in front of the Indian consulate. And, um, you know, you're, you're, you're really experiencing it as a New Yorker, but nonetheless, as a, um, uh, an Indian and an American kind of hybrid, what, 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 what's going on? What, what's your perspective of, um, what's happening and how in particular it's, it's impacting us as communications professionals? Yeah, I think that's a- was such an interesting question, Robert, because it's a kind of, you know, when you're, I kind of describe it as a double gut punch. So, you know, you wake up in the morning, you have all the news from India that kind of comes in, you know, in the last six years, there's just uh, yet to be another uh, day where I kind of wake up to, you know, something super positive that, the prime minister has done. And then, you know, through the day, you have news from the US, which is not at all healthy. So, you mm-hmm. know, it's it's kind of that difficult place. But what I will say as communications professionals and, you know, advising American companies is in where US kind of is distinctly different from India is that companies or businesses kind of fill that gap that's left by governments, right? So if there is, say, you know, transgender um, military personnel are not welcome anymore is a communication that the government sends out, you know, corporations put out a message, however insincere it might be, you know, Mm. kind of saying, we welcome transgender employees. So there is that step that businesses do take from pressure from the employees or news media or just general pressure from everyone else. There is this desire for a public relations win that makes businesses do the right thing sometimes. Yeah, it's it's such a good point. And Lav, I I really, I I mean, I, I completely agree. And I think it's something that you do particularly well. And that is, um, counsel clients on how to actually um, address those social problems, not just their business problems. And, um, and and that is, you know, a bigger and bigger mandate. Um, I do think it's early days and some are doing better than others. But with programs 
like, uh, we need a button. And I'd like you to talk a little bit about what that is briefly. Um, uh, you know, you have overcome even clients that did not expect that kind of thinking. Um, so just one second on, 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 we need a button. So everyone knows what we're talking about. And then, um, I'd love your thoughts on, um, how you, um, are able to kind of nudge corporations into doing these kinds of things. Yeah, I, I think We Need a Button was this campaign we launched last year for World Pride. Um, dating. This is for a client, Dating Positives. Um, dating Positives is a, a, is a dating site for people who, are, uh, who have STIs. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, we, through an article that was submitted to a media publication we ran and we produced for this client, we learned that, you know, oftentimes um, queer populations or queer patients, you know, experience discrimination in the doctor's office. And we figured that mm -hmm. that, I mean, as we talked to more people, we realized that this is a very common occurrence. It happens to almost, I, I think everyone we talked to had some negative experience in the doctor's office. Yeah. The, the research and the videos that you produced are um, not only they're surprising in how many, but also they're really heart-wrenching. Um, there's just some really terrible experiences, people being outed by their physician or people who were facing just awful experiences with someone who they really needed to um, uh, get questions answered and others that just, you know, were dealing with physicians that didn't know the kinds of indications that, you know, are more prevalent within the queer community. Yeah. And many of them didn't even know the basic medications that, you know, you, they hadn't taken the time to educate themselves. And so our call was really to, you know, patient matching sites. So for example, Yelp or ZocDocs or any one of those things to basically add a button that would help identify these doctors who are queer friendly. So patients exactly know what to expect when they go to the doctor's office. Um, I, I think it's something, you know, and to answer your question, Robert, just those little nuggets and insights that come from an obscure article that may be submitted to something much bigger, I think that's where the PR curiosity comes in, right? Like, mm -hmm. how much are we educating? And then we're then connecting the dots. Because in a program that's super structured, rigid, you know, planned at the beginning of the year or, you know, for the quarter, it's hard to be nimble to say, let's kind of try to do this. And, you know, kudos to the client for just jumping on board and, you know, getting it done. And we ran the campaign for a year and the results kind of speak for itself. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it was a great campaign and I, I, I love that kind of thinking. Um, okay. One last question. I have been asking uh, a number of CEOs I've spoken to. Um, uh, what do you think the world needs now more than anything else? <laughs> I think you said that before already, and it, it's not going to be a surprise coming from me. Uh, I would say patience and levity. In everything. <laughs> I mean, if at this time we cannot laugh at ourselves or like, you know, just the ridiculous nature of everything around us, uh, we are going to be 
we're going to have some serious, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> mental health yeah. issues coming out of this. Yeah. Or worse mental health issues than, than we already have. Yeah. Um, you, th- those are wise words. Um, you are, uh, uh, just, you know, w- one of the wise counselors and, um, and, and great people in this industry love working with you. Love you. You are, you are a truly a, uh, an inspiration to us. Thank you for joining. And, um, I'm sure I will be talking to you very, very soon. Yeah. Thank you, Robert. I don't know why you trust me to do any of these things, but I really <laughs> honestly appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Well, um, you're so good. You will be rewarded with doing more. (laughs) (laughs) I want to thank Lav once again for sharing her perspective about race, racism, diversity, and the public relations industry. You can learn more about Hudson Cutler and listen to all of our Ideas with Purpose podcasts at HudsonCutler.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time.